You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 111 of Sticks in the Six, brought to you by the good folks at NDL House. And gentlemen, uh, corporate let's talk day. Um, obviously, we got to lead off with that. But uh, you know what? I, I'm going to say it. It, was a, it was a good day for me. I had a nice session with my psychologist and uh, getting to the roots of some some of the issues that I got. And everyone's got them. It's it's uh, it's a great time to to revitalize the conversation around the stigma of mental health without having to lean on a, a on a corporation to do so so with that uh boys we're here talking hockey not not just mental health but hockey mm-hmm. um so we'll throw it to you guys first alex how you doing this week buddy i'm doing good uh the last uh jags playoff game went about as expected so sadly my team's out but <laughs> you know what uh, they were supposed to be bottom five this year and they ended up making it to the division round. So I don't care. Uh, it was a great season and it fuck. Did it ever feel good to watch a team with zero expectations? I miss that. Um, and yeah, I'm on the topic of uh, the, the corporate hashtag day. I got to pick and choose my words carefully here because the corporate or a corporation in, in uh, question here may or may not, you know, sign my checks, but um one thing I really did like actually looking through Twitter today was seeing how many people were sort of seeing through that BS and weren't using the hashtag, but were still sharing their mental health experiences. Um, yeah. If you guys remember, I posted a big thread back over the summer about how I was just, you know, I finally kind of realized I'm not doing well. Like I need to seek help. I need to take some proper steps. And up until that point, you know, I've dealt with anxiety and depression and intrusive thoughts and stuff like that my entire life, but not until last summer did I actually, have kind of like a coming of age realization. Like, you know, I need to, I need to talk to someone about this. And um, since that day I've been on, I've been on medication and I even, I tweeted out a thread today saying that I've, I still have my bad days and you know, I, it's not smooth sailing now that I'm taking pills, obviously, but I, I will say that I'm a lot more in control of myself and my emotions since I started. And even though I, I, I've been meaning to like, you know, Forbes, like you said, you spoke to a psychologist. I've been meaning to speak with a therapist as well. Still haven't gotten on that, but I'm, I'm still very much in the plans and uh, it's just, I don't know. I guess, I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is just that, you know, if you, if you're listening right now and you're going through bullshit like this, or you're, having a tough time, even if you feel like that, you know, these issues are manageable, it never, ever, ever hurts to talk to somebody and, and, and try and find ways to, even if you're only battling a little bit to, to not, it's better to not battle at all than to battle a little bit. Right. So yeah, it's uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to put that out there because it's something that has really helped me over, over the summer and your brain will not always let you know that you need help. Like I said, I didn't know I needed help for a while. And um when I finally did figure it out and I finally did talk to someone about it and get vulnerable, I, I, it's the first time in my life I can say I've made positive progress on that front. So, uh, there's my little mental health tangent to start the show. I promise I'm, I'm in a good mood right now. We're, we're going to talk hockey and it's not going to, it's not going to be depressing the whole way out, but, uh, yeah, uh, just some word of advice for anyone struggling out there. 
Alex, I'm going to, I, I, and I, and I really do hope that our listeners listen through this and, and we will get to the hockey in a sec, but it is important to discuss. And I'm glad you said the, the word vulnerability because um, I, I'm the same as you. And up until recently, I, I, you know, I mentioned talking to the psychologist and up until recently um, I haven't done that. It's, it's been about battling through the bad days, getting up in the morning, realizing it's a bad day and finding your way through it and knowing that, Hey, tomorrow might be better or the next day might be better or the following day might be better. Um, and, uh, I've, I've, for, for as long as I can remember, I've had my own battles. Um, I've had my bad days. I've woken up, I've battled through them. And, uh, it was this year that, uh, with my daughter's birth and the traumatic events that we went through with that and my son's birth. And, um, we got to a point where the trauma became a little too much for me to handle. And since then I've been talking with a psychologist and really diving into the emotional aspect of, um, being vulnerable, allowing yourself to feel those emotions, because it is, it is extremely important. And we see that now in, in, in the game as well, um, which, you know, we, we will get to a little bit of that in a second here, but, um, just Peter, before, sorry, yeah. before we move on, I want to read out a tweet that I saw from a potential future friend of the show and Brent Albrecht. I know we were supposed to do a live show with him at the bottom line back in November. Uh, couldn't make it work, unfortunately, but he tweeted something today that really resonated with me. He said, um, Meds have a weird stigma. It doesn't cure you. It gets you level. And from there you can be yourself. And that is, that's my experience with them to a T because I still have horrible days when I'm, you know, I, I, it's a war zone inside my head and I don't want to talk to anybody. And I, I get secluded. I, I kind of isolate myself and things like that, but I'm having way less of those days because it's a lot easier for me now to sit down and take a breath and be like, okay, you know what this, like you said, Forbes, like, you know, it's a bad day, get to the end of the day, maybe tomorrow will be better or at, at bare minimum, just try and uh, try and keep that outside noise out. So uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because I think there is a misconception in terms of medication and things like that and a stigma around them, just like there was a stigma around mental health for so many years. So I just wanted to, I wanted to shed some light on that. <clears throat> Yeah, no, absolutely. I saw that tweet as well. And uh, I haven't gone that route. I've gone the other route of, uh, of you know, talking with somebody. And I think, I think maybe putting both together um, might be might be a fantastic option. But um, stay tuned for that. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Um, but Peter, how's your week going, my friend? It's going good. Um, you know, he- hearing both of your stories, Andrew, Alex, you know, pandemic I, I obviously it hit all of us hard but I think you know for the first time in my life like I kind of felt vulnerable with everything going on loss of job loss of everything and then you hear more about like you know inflation the housing market everything like that everything just kept piling on and it, it, it got a bit too much for me and like bo- like you Forbes I managed to get reach out and talk to somebody and it is a load of help it really is um I don't want to get too personal because there's still some things that you know I'm dealing with personally but at the same time you know talking is the best thing and you know what and I know we don't want to like talk about like the corporation involved or whatever but you know what today was the first time in a long time where I took like a mental health day just for myself you know going out doing some things it's been a long time since that actually happened well I would say you know the Christmas break was supposed to be for one but y'all know my experience with that (laughs) but um you know you didn't get stranded on any trains today did you Peter (laughs) oh thank god I know I know it's storming up there in Toronto so (laughs) no no well I'm I'm lucky that I still have my power because I was getting messages that power was going out in their area so 
positive note for me right there. But you know, went out, got some nice shoes, got some new kicks, Under Armors. So I'm really happy for that. Managed to get some writing done and just take a step back. And obviously, you guys know I'm into my music too. Um, came out uh, just yesterday or the day before where I need to start listening to some more tool. And today was a day where I started listening to some more tool. So I was really happy for nice. that. But uh, dudes rock. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, going back to my note on mental health, I know I was just going a little bit, you know, what I did today or when we were recording, but at the same time, look out for yourself. That's the main important thing. Talk, talk, talk. It's the most important thing, whether you feel like no one is going to listen to you. There's always somebody out there. I, I can attest to that. Um, you know, it, it it's. It, it, it's still difficult right now talking about this, but at the same time, it, it, it is a weight off your shoulders. So do not be afraid to talk there. I know. Yeah. We always listen to each other talk, um, hearing what we all have to say and just keep the conversation going, keep the talking going, because that is the most important thing that we can all do right now. And to the people who don't listen, fuck them. Yeah. That's, that's all I can say. Um, that? because you're going to come across people that, you know, they put on a face and they want to listen to you. And, and the second you want to start talking, they don't want to listen. So yeah, for that, uh, fuck them. Um, but as I mentioned, it is a growing, it's a growing focus mm-hmm. in, in sport is, is mental health. And, and while the young guys, you know, we're seeing a lot of teams pick up psychologists and pick up, you know, people to help with the players, mental health. Um, we saw, we saw kind of a rough, rough, uh, situation in Vancouver transpire over the last week or so um, with, with Bruce Boudreau. And, you know, there's been a lot of speculation on like, uh, I guess Vancouver reached out to Elliot Friedman saying that it's his fault that it got out, that he was going to be fired. And, and basically it was a mishand, another mishandled situation by the Vancouver Canucks. Rick Tockett gets the, the head coaching job uh, vacated by Bruce Boudreau and 15 seconds into his debut, we're seeing a Canucks Jersey thrown on the ice um, I just want to get your thoughts. We'll go to Peter first, but I want to get your thoughts on, on just what you saw in the, the way this situation broke down. And, and there's a lot of talk about how Rick talk. It really is not the best candidate possible to, to fill this, this job. Yeah. Just jump into Jim Rutherford for a quick second on his comments about how they had to make this choice because of the media speculation and everything like that. And it's like, that is the dumbest thing I've heard so far in 2023 this year because it's their job to report what they hear. They have sources all around. It's their job to report nonstop. If there's a tidbit that, you know, the Vancouver Canucks are planning on firing Boudreaux and hiring Rick Tockett, why wouldn't you want to go through with that? If this is already in the talks and the works, why are you blaming the media for something that, you know, was already out there to begin with? And who else to put it out there than probably somebody from within the organization or close to you. Right. That was just the dumbest thing for me, how, you know, it was in the talks for like for so long. And then he felt like he had to say, Oh, we had to do it because you guys are talking about it. Um, No, you did it because you actually were going to go through with it. It's just, it buckles my mind how, you know, common sense just leaves people's minds when they speak at certain points, but an actual note of Rick talk it. Yeah. I, you can tell the fans are still upset with everything going on. Like the fan base, usually when a fa- when the fan base goes through a coaching or when the coaching change happens, the fan base tries to be a little bit more open-minded, a little bit willing to try and learn what he has in, in store for the team, the system and everything else. 
you're not getting that with the Canucks fans because they knew that Boudreaux was the guy. This all stemmed down from the management. Um, it was just it was just a mess from the very beginning. We all know how bad their contract situation was. You know, you traded mm-hmm. away Dylan Ganther for essentially Oliver Ekman Larson. How's that contract going for him? He was even healthy scratch. You have a bunch of uh, contracts yourselves. You you signed JT Miller over Bo Horvat, and Bo Horvat's probably going to be on the move. You're essentially, it's essentially a tire fire. And right now, I don't think that, yeah, I think the Canucks won their first game under Tockett. Great. He got his first win. Aside from his, you know, um, record, it's not that great. But at the same time, this is a guy that was like under investigation for like gambling in the past as well. So, you know, who would you rather have run the show? Someone honest like Boudreaux or someone that kind of has that past like Tockett? It just didn't quite make any sense to me. I I mean, as soon as the name came up, I thought, okay, well, this isn't going to end well no matter what, because Boudreaux was already gone. We already knew it. They just needed to pick a moment. And yeah, I I I I just feel for the Canucks fans at this point because you saw how they said Bruce, there it is, with the chance and everything like that. They were all in his corner. Nobody seems to be in Takas' corner. Nobody seems to be in management's corner right now. And I think they're I can't remember where I heard. It. I think it was maybe Farhan Lalji on TSN where he said that, you know, there are players that on the team or outside that they don't even want to join the Canucks because of how bad the situation is right now. Um, Again, that's probably in the early mornings. I was probably still waking up and I didn't hear everything fully, but that's what I thought I heard. But, um, you know, the whole situation is just a tire fire in itself, like I said before. And, you know, you got to feel for the Canucks fan base, the fans, even the media too, for how they're being painted with that kind of picture with everything going on. But yeah, that's just my two cents right there. Alex, I mean, you're, you're, we, we all write for the hockey writers, but you're, you're in the mix with uh, producing a radio show. If you get information like that, you're running with it. If if you get it sourced, you're running with the fact that, Hey, Boudreaux's out talk. It's in, are you not? Yeah. I mean, if I get the, <laughs> if I get that kind of information, then I'd be, I'd be running with it. Absolutely. But um being a being a talk radio station at St. Catharines, the scoops that I get are pretty local. I can't imagine I can't imagine I'd hear about Bruce Boudreaux getting uh, getting getting axed for Rick Tockett. But you know, you guys know I wrote an article for the Hockey Raiders a few days ago on why the Leafs should dabble into hiring Bruce Boudreaux. And honestly, I mean, I I, I don't even know where to begin for this because I just I'm not I I I, I can't fathom how stupid the whole handling by the Nux was for this entire situation. Uh, it's just, you know, to treat a guy like that and then to do it all for Rick Tockett, who's never, who's hasn't won more than, I don't think he's even won a round in the playoffs. He's made lost, like, the only, no, he five lost out of in, six seasons. I believe he didn't make the playoffs. And then the one season he did he lost in the first round. Yeah. And it was in the bubble. So that wasn't a real playoff birth. He wouldn't have made the playoffs if that mm-hmm. season finished the way it was supposed to. So uh, I just, you know, for my, for, for my, like, I got up my, my best friend is a Canucks fan. And for his sake, you know, we used to write each other about our teams and stuff. We used to chirp. Now we're at a point where we've both kind of realized like, you know what, our, let's just fucking support each other because neither of our teams have, are giving us anything to cheer for. So I'm hoping for his case that the Canucks do not win another game yet this year. And they or another game for the rest of the year. And they give themselves the best odds at Bedard because they just, the Canucks, like you said, Peter, Canucks fans deserve so much better right now. And after the season they've been, the season from hell that they've been put through, um, I just think that, I, I, I just think that 
the Canucks got to lose the rest of the way. I hope they do. And, you know, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with this, to be completely honest. I just, the whole handling of the situation was stupid. I don't blame the Canucks fan for throwing a jersey on the ice. Um, I, you know what? I, we've done, we've talked about this before. I'm, I, I, overall, I'm against people throwing jerseys on the ice because I think it's a waste of money. If it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you, if you don't want your jersey, give it to a kid or, like, don't do stupid shit like that. Don't throw it on the ice. And cause they don't, I don't think they donate the jerseys. I think they just throw them out. Um, but in this case, you know, it was in a, it was sort of in an effort to protest management and they kind of deserved it after the way they handled that whole situation. So I didn't hate it. I just, yeah, the Canucks, the Canucks have been fumbling the bag at every possible Avenue along the way. And I just, I hope they get what's coming for them, or at least I, sorry, I should say, I hope that upper management gets what's coming for them because the coaching and the players, you know, can't really blame them at this point. Yeah. I, like you said, we here in Toronto, we're kind of used to the Jersey throne. We've seen it, seen it a little bit more often than they have in Vancouver. Um, I, I do really wish that they donated it. Cause that'd be a little bit more mm-hmm. of a upbeat story. Um, obviously it's better than burning one. Um, but that, I mean, that being said, like, think of the Canucks this year, the Akalini accusations that happened, the Rachel Dory mm-hmm. um, story that came out, and now the handling of this. And then they approach one of the biggest insiders in the game right now and basically blame him for Bruce Boudreau getting shit canned. It, to me, it, it, none of that makes sense. None of that makes sense. That's that to me is, is, is just upper management, not doing their job. And, and when it comes down to it, I mean, we all ripped on JT Miller the other few weeks ago for, for his treatment of, you know, Colin Delia and net and, and not getting out on time and whatever. And you know what, maybe, maybe he's just fucking frustrated boys. Like maybe mm-hmm. he's just had enough and he knows what's going on organizationally and, and, uh, isn't getting a good feel for, for how the organize the direction, the organization is going in. And maybe he knows how bad his contract is because hell, he has not done much for that organization this year. And now you're likely losing Bo Horvat because of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I think everything they've done to this point uh, points in the direction of, like you said, Alex, upper management needs to get what's coming to them. And, and hopefully for the fans sake, like, you know, they, 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 they see a turnaround in this organization because they were headed down the right direction. You know, a couple of years ago, they they had a lot of young pieces. They were looking, looking good and made the um, playoffs, made the, the playoffs year. and made a deep uh, run. They went, they went to the second round. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, that's deep. That's deep for us. Leaf fans, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't see deep in the playoffs because the bars on the fucking floor for us. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. But, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like you, I hope, you know, bring Bruce home. Um, let him come back to Toronto in some kind of position that, you know, maybe you invent. Man, it, like Paul assistant McLean the was assistant of the GM. Paul McLean was on the bench for the Leafs in the COVID season 2021. And he was a senior advisor. He was an advice, a coaching advisor, whatever you want to call it last season. And he's not with the organization anymore. That's Bruce's job right there. Bring him in, yeah. man. I don't yeah. care if he's, I don't care if he doesn't have to stand on the bench. As long as he's around the guys and giving his opinion and just being fucking Bruce Boudreaux, that's all I care about. Just, a, for footnote. Those that, just yeah, a footnote. 
And for those that don't know, I covered this in my article, but Bruce's dad, Norman, actually put a curse on the organization back when the Leafs released Boudreaux as a player back in 1983. He said that until the day that Bruce comes back to the Leafs organization, they're never going to win it again. And, you know, I'm obviously not going to sit here and pretend like Norman Boudreaux holds all the holds all the weight of the curse that we've had to deal with for the past couple of years. But I mean, Bruce left 40 years ago and we're still sitting here with no cup or not even a fucking round win since 2004. So who knows? Bring him back. Just see what happens. Well, boys, talking about Vancouver and the Canucks, um, Gary Bettman came out with another beautiful statement done yesterday regarding the tanking situation in the nhl stating that there is no tanking in the nhl because they have a weighted dra- uh, draft lottery um the the chicago blackhawks 32 points in 46 games traded away alex to at this offseason and i'm ducks i don't know what's going on there um playing every young guy they've got in front of john gibson to basically give him an aneurysm um and then you've got the Arizona Coyotes with God knows what's happening down in Arizona and at ASU. But to me, there's, there's tanking. Um, there, there's clear, clear effort to, to try and get a guy like Connor Bedard. Um, Alex, your thoughts on, on Bettman's comments on the state of the NHL and do we need to look at a different direction for the draft lottery? So I'm going to take my, my little talking point here in a different direction. Um, <laughs> just, just cause this is perfect timing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Just to, to further shit on Gary's narrative that teams in the NHL do not tank. Here's a, t- a tweet from Mark masters in 2016. That's all of a sudden making the rounds again, for some reason, mm-hmm. he's tweeted the Leafs yeah. lines at their morning skate. <laughs> Komarov, Kadri Holland, first line. Colin Greening, Mark Arcabello, PA Parento, second line. Sean Mathias, Nick Spalling, Daniel Winnick, third line. Oh. Rich Clune, Byron Fraze, Brad Boys, fourth line. And Josh Levo still didn't make that fucking lineup. <laughs> oh, but taking Bab- isn't Mike, real, right? Mike Babcock was such a prick, man. How how do you not put Levo into that shitty ass lineup? <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, that's that's living proof right there, Gary. The tanking exists. No NHL team looking to win games would fucking ice that lineup voluntarily. Uh, okay, Peter, your thoughts that's all, on sorry, I, I should have clarified yeah. that I was done speaking. <laughs> no, that's no, all that's, I have to that's say. fine. Uh, Peter, your thoughts on tanking and uh, the state of the NHL? I mean, listen. If that didn't explain that tanking is legit, then tanking is legit. Toronto just literally threw in the towel halfway through that season because it was a lost cause. Those six teams right now, um, Columbus, Chicago, Anaheim, Coyotes, San Jose, and Vancouver. Let's throw even Montreal into the mix right now because now that Cole Caulfield's shut down for the season, there goes your top goal scorer right then and there. I'm not saying that Montreal is purposely tanking because of that like it is a serious injury and he had to be shut down fine but now this throws them into the conversation that hey should we still play to win or should we just increase our odds of getting Connor Bedard in a season where you have a generational talent right now why would you not want to tank and for Gary Bettman to say oh there's no tanking there's tanking involved Chicago Blackhawks starter is um Peter Morassic like Coming from a Leaf fan, listen, we wanted Peter Morassic to succeed. We wanted him 
to try and get back on track. But when he's your starter and when he had the season that he did with the Maple Leafs last year, I'm in Chicago right now and they're just can't buy a win. What does that say? Like, I, I, I don't I don't understand what he was trying to say that, oh, there's no tanking. Yeah, you have a weighted like percentage system on who gets the best odds and stuff like that. That means but nothing. Gary doesn't. Re- Gary doesn't. Sorry. Go ahead, Peter. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it doesn't matter because the team that's always at the bottom is still going to have the highest odds. Yeah, they're they're going to have the highest odds, and more more often than not, you're not specifically tanking for the first overall pick. I mean, that's what you want to be tanking for. You want to exactly. get that first overall pick, but not tanking to just get the fifth or sixth overall pick. Granted, how deep of a draft it is, but like, but if you're one of the worst teams in the league and the lowest you can fall is four. Yeah, absolutely. You want to be you you want to be losing as many games as possible mm-hmm. because even if you don't get the first pick, you're getting a top three, top four, top five pick. Yeah. Um, also just on your, on your Mrazic note there, Peter, uh, great tweet, great tweet from a great follow in uh, leaf sing on leafs Twitter. I don't know if you guys know who that yeah. guy is, mm-hmm. but he's mm-hmm. a fucking, he's a gem. He tweets out in 19 games. Mrazic has allowed 68 goals. Oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. And I'm Mrazic, not you, Peter. Not me. Yeah. 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 Um, I kind of, I kind of figured. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, man. That's oh rough. man. I feel That's bad. Rough. I feel I want I wanted Mrazic to do well so bad last year, mm-hmm. man. Like that sucks that it yeah. had to end the way it did. But I want to bring up too: Did Jim Rutherford not basically state that they're tanking in his press conference? There's probably a little subtlety in there, yeah. Like that, I don't know. I the conversation's been around for for seasons on end now, um, and, and my issue with it, and I I get teams want to lose to get the, you know, generational talents or whatever. Um, but you're 46 games in if you're Ottawa and you're not competitive. Um, what makes you think you know, that you're going to make the playoffs right now? But you know what I mean? Like 47 games in for Columbus. If you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, like what a way to grow hockey. Mm-hmm. What a way to grow hockey in small markets is, is to watch these teams who went out and spent the money on Johnny Goudreau, probably raised ticket prices, with the inflation that's going on in the world right now, and then sat back and said, yeah, you know what? We'll get 31 points through 47 games. That's a good idea. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. And and Gary Bettman, just as he's done with concussions and everything else in the in the league and and bigotry and all everything else, sits back and says, you know what? It's not happening. <laughs> it's I'm turning happening. a blind eye to it. It's not happening. If Gary doesn't see it, it's not happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, Gary I, I can, was... Gary can see the fucking NHL's problems about as well as Stevie wonder could put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, anyways, boys, please, just I give us a new commissioner. That's all. That's all we ask. Please. For the uh, love of God. I'm not uh, even, you know what the thing is, is I don't even, I don't even know if I want another, con- uh, another commissioner only because I just know that if the NHL ever were to move on from Gary Bettman, they'd hire someone equally or more shitty. Like, I, yeah, I don't have faith in the NHL to make a good hire here, like, or a yeah. good vote, especially when you consider that it's the, the owners decide who their commissioner is. Right. Yeah. So, you know, do we really think that a bunch of NHL fucking owners have the right idea in mind and someone who's got a good handle on all these things? Fuck no. Yeah, no, no. I, it's, it's more of the unexpected, right? Like at least with Gary, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. that's true so i don't know anyways boys i didn't mention off the top of the show we do have 
Um, Jack Matier, gold medal winner with the World Junior Team, Team Canada. You didn't fuck up his name. I didn't fuck up his name. <laughs> the most... or in the intro. The, I was just going to say, the most seamless introduction you have ever done, Forbes. I know, yeah. maybe, maybe the best one. But uh, I, actually, I actually had to sit back and like take my hat off and like, whoo. Uh, I was waiting for the slow clap at the end, but I, you know, um, we should have just filled the entire interview with slow claps. Yeah. Throw them off. (laughs) Anyways, boys, we're going to throw that, uh, throw to that interview right now. Interview brought to you by the folks at Indie Alehouse. Folks, we are extremely excited to welcome our next guest to the show. He's a fourth round pick of the Nashville Predators in 2021 and most recently a gold medal winner for Team Canada at the 2023 World Juniors in Halifax. He has 33 points in 32 games this season with the Ottawa 67s of the OHL and hails from Sault Ste. Marie. Jack Matier, welcome to Sticks in the Six. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great, man. And uh, first off, congratulations uh, for the uh, gold medal win. What a huge moment for you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it was special, really special for me. I'm going to start it off here because uh, the lasting image from after uh, Dylan Genther scored the overtime winner is uh, one player jumping off the bench, uh, one stepping over the uh, bench and onto the ice. And that was you. Talk about that celebration. What happened in that moment? What went through your head? Yeah, I think I I turned around after the goal went in and I was kind of just celebrating with the trainer. Um, And then it was the quickest way to get on the ice. And I wasn't really thinking at that point. So I just reacted. And yeah, it was kind of funny after after the game. I didn't even realize I did it. So (laughs) Uh, speaking of that topic, we heard obviously a bunch about how how crazy the atmosphere out there was. The East Coasters love their love their hockey, obviously. Um, I'd like to hear about your firsthand experience and just, you know, what did it feel like to play in a barn with that kind of energy and that kind of excitement? And how does it compare to some of the other maybe higher tier environments you've played in before? Yeah, I think that's definitely at the top of of my hockey career for playing in rinks with with that much energy but like you said the people on the east coast just love hockey and um it was it was super loud in there and and they were really really welcoming of us throughout the whole tournament and and even before the tournament so um they love their hockey and they love team canada what was the uh, buzz of the city like i mean i know that the the energy inside the barn was was not comparable to anything else but just walking the streets of Halifax during the tournament was there a real buzz just around team Canada and the run that they could make yeah I think I think that Halifax knew that we had a really good team and lots of skill and special players like Bedard and and Shane Wright and stuff like that so there was tons of tons of hype and um like I said before there'd just be people coming up to you in the street and talking to you and um just really nice people down there you know, it's got to be a special feeling. They're always, they're super friendly out there. I've only been out there the one time, but great, great experience that I can speak of. Yeah. Jack, uh, obviously, again, huge moment winning the gold medal at the junior level, but you won gold at the U18 tournament with a lot of these players that were on that team as well. We mentioned Wright, Bedard, Clark, uh, Othman, Genther as well. The list goes on. Um, how special was this uh, moment or this gold medal for you to win it with this group again? just like you won it back uh, during the pandemic in Texas. Yeah, that was, um, that was, that was another special time for me, for sure. Winning U18 golds and we had a really good team down there too. So it was great to see guys back and um, get to hang around guys that you, you want a gold with at U18s. And we knew that um, winning a gold at U20s would be special too. So 
I'm just really happy I did it with that group. Jack, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you at least one question about uh, playing with alongside Connor Bedard. I mean, what was that like seeing what he did at this tournament and, and you know, what, what's, what's coming next for this kid? Yeah, he's, uh, he's obviously got skill off the charts and um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a really good guy too. So yeah, he, there's not much I could say. He's a special <laughs> player. Obviously his plays speak for, for themselves. Um, some stuff I've never seen done before on the ice. So he's just a really good player and he's going to be a really good player at the NHL level too. Yeah. Just to build off that, Jack, um, what was your initial reaction seeing that solo effort against Slovakia where he scores that game winning goal? Well, I think everyone's just so, so tense on the bench (laughs) and so nervous. And um, he kind of picked, he kind of shot the puck and they shot it back to him and he picked it up and, beat the first guy, beat the second guy. And then I think the whole building thought he was going to shoot me, um, kind of dragged it to his backhand and just tucked it in. But it was, it was an unbelievable goal. Probably the best goal I've seen live. Yeah. Speaking of someone who was watching that game, I think as soon as, as soon as you guys gained possession there, I think every, every Canadian fan watching knew that that goal was going to happen, whether it was Bedard or somebody else on the ice, like, you know, they had played a the Slovaks had played a good game up until that point. But I think that you guys definitely from the get-go had the, had the edge and that shift, you know, you could feel the energy. I mean, I say this as a guy watching on TV, obviously, but it seemed like the energy was sort of starting to collapse on you guys and you really relished in the moment. So I thought that was a really awesome goal and just must've been a great experience for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, the crowd went crazy and and they loved them so much down there. So Jack, I want to switch sorry. gears a little, so, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, we're going to do this. Okay. Uh, so I, I want to switch gears from the tournament just a little bit. Um, I want you to take us back to the draft when the Predators picked you. I mean, obviously the 2021 draft was not quite the the full conventional experience, but, you know, virtual or in real life have to imagine that hearing your name called by an NHL team was probably one of the coolest moments of your life. So uh, I just want you to take me back to that day and uh, were you watching live? And if you were just, what did it feel like hearing them call the name or how'd you find out? Yeah, I just, I was just sitting at home and had some family around me and we were watching the draft and um, obviously didn't get to play that year in the OHL really only played the seven games at U 18s um, just because of COVID shutting down the, the league. But yeah, to hear my name called by, by an NHL team was definitely a dream come true and something that I've worked towards my whole hockey career. So um, just to have my family around too, it, it was really special, but definitely a different draft not being able to go to the draft and just doing it virtually uh just to piggyback also on you know you know you mentioned that you didn't get a chance to play that year in the ohl because they didn't they couldn't get a season off um i remember we like we've talked to a couple of other ohl players on that and i always like to ask that question um how did you adapt that year? It sounds like a bit of a cliche question, but you know, when you're not able to be around your team all that much, I don't know if you were, but when you're not playing games, you don't have a schedule to stick to. I'd have to imagine that everyone sort of takes an unconventional route to keeping up with their training. So uh, how did you adapt just not being, not knowing or knowing you didn't have any games on the schedule or anything like that? Yeah, I was just basically all, all I was doing was just practicing and training in Sault Ste. Marie. Um, We kind of had a good group of, of OHL players and I was still able to train at my gym so for most of the pandemic so I was I was just doing that and kind of waiting and we kept hearing rumors that the OHL was going to start and was two weeks away and stuff like that and 
obviously nothing ever came of it, but I was lucky to, to get the call to go to U18s and um, obviously win a gold medal there and meet a bunch of new guys that I didn't know before. So that was really good for me. And then obviously the draft was that summer and just didn't know what was going to happen going into the NHL draft, but happy where I went. And um, obviously Nashville is a really good organization. I wanted to ask you, have you been to Nashville? And if not, um, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get down to that city? It's pretty, it's a pretty hype city. Yeah, I was, well, I was there for the last two training camps um, and the last two development camps throughout the summer, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good city. And just, just walking downtown, um, the history be behind all the music down there. And obviously the food's really good. I don't know if you've, you've ever been there, but um, Nashville hot chicken sandwiches are, are really good. So I haven't tried the hot chicken sandwich, but I was there for the all-star game, uh, when John Scott was the MVP. So it was, it's been a few years, but, uh, definitely would like to get down there and check out the city again. I know it's, it's, it's a crazy downtown Broadway streets nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Jack, you just mentioned that you were taking part in their development camps and uh, heading down there for, uh, to improve your skill set and everything. What's one thing that you're trying to work on or what are the conversations like between the coaching staff, uh, the trainers, everything like that with the Predators? Well, one thing I think that coming out of junior and, and going to the pro level is the the skating jump and the speed of the game. So um, just trying to trying to execute at a high pace throughout my OHL career and, and growing in the next couple months is really going to, I think, help me turn pro. And, but I mean, it, you, you only know how fast the pro game is until you play there. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's trying to get ready for the pro game, pro game, but you don't know how fast it is until you get there. So um, did any current predator players reach out to you when you were drafted? Have you gotten a chance to talk to any of them? Um, I don't think they reached out to me when I was drafted, but I think like just throughout training camps and, and seeing them, seeing them at the rink, obviously uh, you get to talk to them a little bit. So if I were, uh, if I did my research correctly, your dad was a defenseman when he played, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just want to know, was that obviously, you know, your style of game, you're a stay at home guy. Uh, I was just wondering, is that something that he influenced you or did you, or did, did he kind of give you free reign and say, you know, you know, do what you want and you naturally gravitated toward defensemen. How much of an influence did your dad have there? Yeah, I just, he, he never told me that I had to be a defenseman, but I just kind of, I just liked it. And um, obviously, yeah, you always look up to your dad when, when you're young and I knew he was a defenseman. So I think that played a part in me picking the, the position, but once I did it, I really liked it. And I've been a defenseman my whole life. So. That's right. You look up to your dad. That's exactly why I'm a shit skater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to jump over to uh, your junior career here. Right now, you guys are sitting first in the East, 31-9-1-1 and uh, one and one in 42 games. One of the top scoring teams. Then you guys go out at the deadline and add Pavel Mintyukov. Um, I mean, what's it like playing with him and, and how does he help your, make your game a little bit easier? Yeah, obviously, he's a really good player. Tenth overall pick to to Anaheim and we knew when we picked him up that he was going to be a really good offensive defenseman but I think the last couple games he showed how good he is defensively too and I think if you pair that with me it's it's a really good combination and we um, could play a lot of minutes together just going to kind of follow that up with like 
you know, you talked about how your, how your dad was a defenseman. He kind of, you know, obviously didn't influence your decision to play on the back end, but who do you model your game after? That's a, that's a tough question. I think it's, it's really tough to compare lefty to righties, I think, but I, I always liked Morgan Riley just because I was a Leaf fan growing up. Um, yeah, he's, he was one guy that I always liked. And obviously over the last couple of years, Victor Hedman's been really good in Tampa, but, um, yeah, those, those two guys are someone that I always liked watching, but to model my game after, um, yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're a little more offensive than me. So I don't know if I model my game after them, but I like watching them and seeing what they can do. I will say that's probably the best answer you could have given on the Leafs podcast. So <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. Exactly. And speaking of uh, the draft, I know we talked about uh, your draft experience, but your teammate Luca Pinelli is up for this year's crop of 2023. What can you give about the scouting report on him? And uh, what do you see when he's on the ice? Yeah, I think he's just got a really high, high end skill set. Um, really good offensively and, and can make plays with, with basically no time. So yeah, I think he's going to be a really good player when he turns pro and, and throughout the next couple of years in the OHL. So I think he'll be a really high NHL draft pick this year. One more question for me, Jack, before we move on. Uh, I don't know how much you follow the NHL throughout the year. I know you said you're a Leaf fan growing up. Uh, if you've been able to pay attention to the league a decent amount this year, who's your cup prediction for this year as of now? I got to go to Toronto Maple Leafs. I <laughs> That's what we like to <laughs> that, hear. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Every, every year, every year, I think it, and then playoff time comes and we generally we haven't really had good luck with people picking the Leafs to win the cup on this pod so hopefully you're a turn of the tide here yeah hopefully <laughs> well Jack uh, obviously thank you very much for joining us congratulations again on the gold medal and uh, we look forward to see what you do uh, in in the future here hopefully we can get you back on once uh, once you're up playing in, in either the A or the NHL and and uh, you know talk to you a little bit more about the Nashville organization uh, before I let you go Pre-game meal, what's your go-to? My pre-game meal, no matter if the game's at 2 o'clock or 7 o'clock, is breakfast. So I usually oh. have eggs, potatoes, bacon, toast. Beautiful. I, I can always respect a guy who goes breakfast for dinner or breakfast yeah, for lunch. Absolutely. That's, that's a guy that doesn't care what anybody thinks. You know what? Yeah. yeah. Bre <laughs> breakfast, the meal for champions right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, again, Jack, thank you very much for joining us here on Sticks in the Six, and uh, we wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Well, boys, like I said, that interview was brought to you by the folks at Indy Alehouse. Hockey is back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out of watching or watching the game at home with the gang. What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at the Indy Alehouse in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay and Bloor, the Biblioteca location. They have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indy Alehouse is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners 
and easy drinking options, Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indielhouse.com to make your order today. And boys, I think you mentioned it, Alex, after the show, but or after the interview, but kind of loosened up a little bit towards the end. Very, uh, you know, young hockey player. We got the, the answers kind of expected, but what an honor to have a, a gold medalist on the show like that. And uh, hell of a tournament for Canada, hell of a tournament mm-hmm. for uh, Jack Matier. And-, and boys, I said this right after the show ended last week or right after the interview ended, rather. There is zero doubt in my mind that Jack Matier is scoring his first NHL goal against Toronto in his first oh, game. Yeah. If oh, he, yeah. he is going to get called up for a game against the Leafs, whenever whenever that might happen within the Nashville next couple of years, Toronto. he's going to score his first NHL goal. <laughs> well, I mean, he said all the right things to, to he's, you know. He's to, a Toronto to, boy. You know, yeah. Sorry, he's a Toronto fan. He's a Sioux boy. Like, it just doesn't get any more textbook than that. No, no, you're right. You're right. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. But what a moment that would be for him. But Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd be glad well for him along the way. Put a I know futures on it right for- now. <laughs> I didn't play. I know he didn't play for the Greyhounds, but how awesome would it be if Kyle Dubas just signs him because he's a Sioux boy? Yeah, yeah, that'd be <laughs> just nice, eh? just because. Or of that. make a trade for him. Yeah, you never know. He's you know what? Nice big solid defenseman. You never know. Mm-hmm. You never know what you might get. But, um, anyways, let's get into our Leafs. I want to talk Nylander. It seems to be the talk of the town lately, uh, especially on Leaf Twitter. We know this fan base is never happy with what they're getting, so. Alex, I'm going to throw it to you first. William Nylander, the pull-up king from getting away away from hits, or should we finally give this guy some credit that he is due? Nope, shouldn't give him credit. He's still soft and doesn't have heart and doesn't care, and they should trade him for a top-four defenseman. They should fucking trade him for someone like Dennis Seidenberg because <laughs> the Leafs need grit on the back end and they need toughness. And they're never going to win when they have William Nylander, that stupid blonde Swede in their lineup. I, I'm so fucking sick of Leafs fans, dude. I I actually, I I wanted to pretend like I was shocked, but I was not shocked at all to see that, that stupid video still circulating around. Because here's the thing. The, the, if you're on Leafs Twitter, you know about the community. And when I say community, I mean like the what I'd like to think of like as like the skid row of Leafs Twitter, where you've got Baghead, you've got Fish, you've got all these, you you got all the people who have AGM in their Twitter names and just tweet the most asinine, fucking brutal takes you've ever heard. Having said that, some of those guys are trolls, and some of those guys understand that they're doing what they're doing to get a reaction. This guy that I saw tweeted the video the other day, and the guy that I got into it with, is actually that fucking stupid. He actually tweeted that in response to someone saying, uh, I can't remember what the conversation was. All I know is that it was Nylander discourse and all he tweet or like what he was responding to was a guy saying, Oh, this is the William Nylander you're talking about. And he cited his playoff stats. He's a playoff, like he's near a point per game in the playoffs. And the guy responds, yes, this one. And he tweets that video of Nylander holding up against Tampa Bay. And I just, I can't, I Toronto is the only fan base in the NHL where people will will dwell on one of their star players over a bullshit play like that that had virtually no impact on the game whatsoever. Literally all that clip was good for was to get the old-time hockey fans, the guy that's the guys that still think Don Cherry is the smartest hockey mind in the entire world. And it, it was just used to get the, the those guys pissed off. That's literally all there was to it because it was a nothing play in a game that I think Nylander even ended up scoring it. And 
people will cling on to that clip and say, this is the reason why the Leafs will never win a round, or this is the reason why the Leafs will never win with Nylander, or this is this right here is the reason why William Nylander is soft and hasn't really changed. He's still Willie. With respect, shut the fuck up for once and for all. Just shut up. Please, like, I'm not the type to police opinions unless they're genuinely, like, you know, homophobic, racist, all that stuff. But in this case, shut the fuck up. Just stop talking. William Nylander is a goddamn good hockey player, and I don't know why in 2023 we're still having this conversation. Like, like, these narratives come from the 2018-19 season, the second half where Nylander didn't join the team until December, and he didn't really get his game back at all that year. 26 points in 50-something games or whatever. Yeah, I was pissed at Nylander that year, too. Forbes, you were pissed at Nylander until, like, 2021. We all were. Like, like, we all were. We were all pissed at Nylander at one point. If at this point of, of, of the Leafs' tenure with this core, you can't recognize how good William Nylander is, you flat out do not know hockey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like I, I I'm I am done beating around the bush. Any other team this guy plays on and the NHL is slobbering over this guy, and his team's fans love him. And I'm not saying you have to sit there and act like William Nylander is the perfect fucking unicorn boy. And you know, he's this, he's this that this specimen who's basically an angel sent down to earth. Like you don't like I have you can criticize Nylander. We've criticized Nylander. Yes, he does have a habit to sort of hold up sometimes. Sometimes it looks like he's not hustling out there. I've criticized, we've all criticized him before. But it's the fact that people are clinging on to that clip right there and acting like it's the I, like just acting like it defines who he is. Yeah. This is yeah, no, William Nealer, you mean the guy that put up 80 points and 35 goals last year? No, no, no. The Nylander that held up in the playoffs versus Tampa Bay that one time. I, I, it's just, and I said it, I, I said this in my, my tweet that I quoted uh, when I was dunking on this guy. And I don't normally dunk on guys like that, but I just, like I said, some takes are just so asinine. I can't, I can't just simply sit back and look on. Like I gotta, I gotta say something about it. And I'm telling you right now, I would love William Nylander to stay a leaf for life. However, if he ends up going to another team, I have never, ever, ever been more convinced of a player scoring a series winning goal against the Leafs. And this fan base deserves it for the way that they've treated him this whole, this entire time. And you know what, if, if you're listening to this and thinking, well, I didn't, I didn't treat Nylander like that. If, 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 if you take offense to this, then this tweet's probably directed at you because I think most Leaf fans can understand that Nylander is a damn good player. And if you can recognize that he's a damn good player and you don't dwell on a stupid play like that, then it wasn't directed at you. You're not, you're not stupid. You can, you can recognize a guy's flaws and a guy's strengths, but if you're sitting there clinging to that clip and talking about it, like talking about it, like it's the Patrick Stefan missing an empty net and wiping out. Like that's the one moment that's going to define his entire career. You've got, I've got no hope for you. You're done. You don't know hockey. End of monologue. Goodbye. Love it. I loved every bit of that. And he's sitting back relaxing. If you can't, if you can't see us, he's sitting back relaxing I, after a wonderful, just, wonderful monologue. I just, I, I was just about to say, all you need is just to crack open a beer and then you're good. Every once in a while, I just, I'll I'll pop off. A a, a take like that will just piss me off so much that I'll pop right off. And I just, I I have to, I have to shred the people involved. So. Peter, what do you got to add to that, that, uh, that wonderful monologue by Alex? I mean, I don't know how I can follow that up, but uh, (laughs) geez, putting me on the spot. But at the same time, yeah, it's. 
I, I really don't know what to say anymore. Like, like Alex said, listen, we've all complained about Nylander at some point, whether it was the contract holdout, whether it was fair value at that point or down the line, whatever. We've talked about his play at times before, but when he's stepping up like he has a season, why are you fixated on something that happened in the playoffs? That, that one play didn't even impact that game or that series. It was basically, listen, I don't want to harp on the officiating, but the Leafs lost that series because of the officiating. Like, it was brutal from beginning to end. That game six, third period with the phantom high sticks and everything like that. Game seven. I You you want to call me a, a homer or a fan be, or biased opinion because of that? Go ahead, because the officiating was garbage. But to say that the Maple Leafs lost because William Nylander pulled up and didn't want to get hit because it was a meaning... At that point, I think the game was already lost. And, you know, he's not going in full force to, you know, probably get injured at that point. I know we talked about that, that maybe he should have had a little bit more effort. But what if he didn't want to get hit and save the injury or, like, save the fact that he didn't want to get injured and maintain his health for the next game when they're ready? No? I mean, like, I, I, I just I just don't get it. And these are probably the same fans that are, in Don, like you said, Alex, in Don Cherry's corner that probably wanted to trade him right away for Nick Ritchie. And, like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I, and, I, and I agree with you. I think at some point, if the Maple Leafs ever did trade Nylander or didn't resign him and he went to a different team, Nylander's going to pop off and he's going to win the Stanley Cup. And those same fans are going to complain. They say, oh, you know what? They let Nazem Kadri go. And he won a cup. They let, they let William Nylander go and he won a cup. Well, you wanted to get rid of him in the first place. So I agree with Alex. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. I have, I have, in the past, I've criticized Nylander. Everyone has criticized mm-hmm. a player in their time. And he has proven me wrong. He made me eat my words a thousand times over. Um, those same people are going to be the ones that when he walks away after his contract as a free agent, they're going to be complaining that we didn't get anything for him. Yeah. You let this guy go. That was this amazing, you know, superstar player. And it'll be twice as fun if Kyle Dubas is still GM when that happens. Yeah. Because then yeah. all of a sudden it'll go from Kyle Dubas overpaid William Nylander because he sat down and let the rookies walk all over him to Kyle Dubas let William Nylander go for nothing. What the hell is wrong with this GM? Yeah. That's I so can let's, see it already. But let's talk about a guy who's got 26 goals, 56 points in 48 games. Okay. Um, 399 points in 487 game, career games for the Leafs. And on top of that, we're talking about Matthews for a Selkie, right? We're talking about how Matthews has become this 200 foot player. Um, he's, he's added a physical aspect to his game. While Nylander doesn't have the physical aspect, this guy averages a block shot a game. He does have 12 hits. I'll give him that. But at five on five, he has 42 takeaways to his 17 giveaways at five versus five. That's third in the league with players over 400 minutes played behind only Brandon Hagel and Evgeny Malkin. So when you're talking about a guy that, puts everything into his game. Yeah, he might not play with the physical edge that play that people want him to play with. 42 takeaways. This guy has an active stick. He stick checks like crazy. And body positioning. Body positioning, and he gets the job done. And it has led to goals this season. 26 goals in 48 games. He's going to be our top goal scorer this season. I, I, I don't have any doubt, unless Matthews puts together a couple multi, multi-goal games. But William Nylander has been consistent 
He has played well. He has played through criticism after criticism over his NHL career. Um, and I mean, you want to like, let's, let's talk about playoffs. If you want to talk about playoffs when it gets a little bit more physical, the last three playoff seasons for the Leafs, four points in five games in 2019, 20, eight points in seven games, including five goals in 2021 and seven points in seven games, including three goals in uh, 21, 22, 30 points in 39 career playoff games. This guy's a gamer. I don't care what anybody says. Look at what he does. Don't look at the fact that he pulls up on a hit because chances are he's going to take that puck back. And if he does, chances are he's going to score. So give him the credit that he's due. It's about time that this kid deserves credit. And I mean, I don't know what more he can do that's going to going to change these people's minds. They've got it so wired differently in their heads of what their expectation is. The game has changed. You're not looking for a Zach Aston Reese anymore. You're looking for a William Nylander. And we've got four of them in our top six. So I, that, that's all I have. I think Alec, you said it perfectly. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm in love. I'm in love with Nylander. I said it two weeks ago and I'll say it again. So, I am proud. I am proud of you for the progress you've made, Forbes. Because I'll, it's, I'm it's, not going to. I'm, I'm not going to lie. The when we were with that first time that I ever spoke, I, I didn't even speak to you really. But we were on the same panel for Maple Leafs Lounge at the Hockey Writers, and I remember you said something. You said something that was a little Lancey Nylander. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a like a it was subtle boomer take, it was subtle. but it was yeah. like you said something that wasn't fully sunshine and rainbows about Willie. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to clash with this guy a little bit sometimes like the We'll see what happens, at least on the topic of William Nylander, but that was the last ill I've ever, that was the last ill speak I've ever heard from you in terms of William Nylander. You, you've come a long way. I'm proud of you Forbes. Hey man, it took a bunch of classes, a lot of, a uh, lot of, a lot of talking. <laughs> and uh, you know, I got to a point where I can accept, uh, accept who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was also just going to throw out the fact that let's they're just going to overlook the fact that Nylander had four points in one period against the New York Islanders. Not I, Matthews, I, I suppose not Marner. A supposed defensive team, though. A supposed defensive team, and he had four points against them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, on another topic, another guy that uh, seems to be in the least doghouse because of injury woes, uh, Nick Robertson. And I bring this one up because – Yes, he's having season-ending surgery. Uh, he's out once again with an injury. And uh, I decided to write a piece about how the Leafs should not let go of this 21-year-old prospect that they have um, because I still think there's a lot in the bag. Um, and one of the comments back was, get rid of him. All the Leafs need is a second-line left winger and a right-handed defenseman, and they're going to win the cup. So, again, back to Leafs Twitter or Leafs Facebook or whatever you want to call it, Leafs, Leafs Nation, that that little sector of Leafs Nation that seems to never really understand what's going on with the team. Um, Peter, your thoughts on Nick Robertson. Is this a guy that they need to give up on or would you would you package him in a deal at the trade deadline or are you, or are you looking to see what you can get out of him over the next little bit? Uh, if there's one thing that I've just learned from my commenters or whatever, is that reading comprehension just goes out the window. Um, I've come to accept that. But I mean, listen, I'm I'm like you, Forbes. I this guy has a lot of potential, a serious potential with the shot and his offensive awareness and ability to just rip the puck. We saw that this year. It's just unfortunate how every single time something's going right, right for him, there's a bit massive injury. You know, there is the high moment of him scoring a goal during the bubble in the playoffs, and then the next time in the bubble. 
you know, he gets injured first shift into the game against Ottawa. Then there was last year, you know, two games in, you know, fractured fibula and he was out eight to 10 weeks, 15 games into the show this season. He's looking like he could crack the roster. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, the shoulder injury or collarbone injury, and he's out for an extended period of time. And it just sucks. And you don't want to give up on him because he's still very, very young. You know, 21 years old. Like, when are you going to find someone that can shoot the puck and have the offensive awareness and energy? And even for a smaller player, he's he's not necessarily physical, but he's not afraid to battle in the corners. He's got that work ethic. So I personally would not want to give up on him. But if considering he needs a change of scenery, if that's the way you need to go, then I can understand why you want to move on from him because... You know, obviously he's not getting into the roster anytime soon, but let's face it, you know, with the amount of time that he misses, we see what Matthew Nice is doing the last week or so with him scoring those beautiful goals, you know, looking like he's ready to make the jump to the NHL. He's probably going to overtake Nick Robertson and be that top six left winger than Robertson at this point. So the fact that he isn't playing games, other players are going to move up on him over him in the depth chart. It, you don't want to give up on him considering what he could be, but at the same time, you already you're seeing more progress with pe- with players in your prospect system. So maybe if you do want to entice a team to maybe try and take him on, I get it. But I again, like you, I still want to try and keep him on because he does have that potential. Alex, your thoughts on what the Leafs should do with Nick Robertson? Yeah, um, it's a tough scene. It's a tough scene for Robertson. I feel horrible for him because I'm not going to lie. I really thought that when he scored that goal against Dallas in overtime and he had that game, I was like, all right, this is the, this is the turning point in Nick Robertson's career. He is going to finally have his breakout. He's going to play in the top six. He's going to, I mean, I didn't think he was going to go too nuts, but I like score 50 goals or whatever, but I, you know, 40 points, 40, 50 points playing in the top six, regular NHL minutes for the first time. And he just can't avoid that injury bug. And it sucks because he's a great player. He's super talented. Um, and he just can't seem to find a way around it. So I don't really have much else to say that Peter didn't add already. I think that, I don't know. I think that the Leafs should, I don't know. If he's, put it this way, if if the if he is a piece that a team wants in a trade for a top six forward with terms, someone like, someone like Travis Konechny or hell, even Timo Meyer. I know he's not, a, I know he's not uh he doesn't have term per se, but there's been talks that whoever he goes to will likely sign an extension with his new team. So if, if he's a piece that's sought after in one of those trades, then I think you trade him, but I wouldn't be rushing to trade him because I still think that next season, there's an opportunity to get him back and get him some reps. And at that point, maybe at that point, yeah, maybe you try and move on. But at the same time, I, I, I do think that there's a lot of talent there and I really don't want the Leafs to give up on him too soon. Like he said, Forbes. So tend to agree with you, but then there's also the worry of, you know, how many times is he going to get injured to the point mm-hmm. where it kills his, his, his chances of having a solid career. Right. I think for me, it's, it's the idea of letting, letting go too early. And I think, I, I don't think he's an untouchable. I don't think he's like a, a Matthew Nyes where, you know, you don't put him in, in a deal, like you guys said, for, for somebody with term, somebody that is going to mean something to the organization. Um, but I, I, I don't want to rush it because I, I see him being like, a, you know, an Alex Steen where he's going to go on and win a cup and score some big goals against the Leafs over his career. And 
for him, it's about consistency and getting in the lineup and, and, and staying in the lineup and, and avoiding that injury. And I know easier than easier said than done, especially with his stature, but um, to me, he just still didn't get the, the consistent reps that I, I would have liked to see uh, this season. And that's why I, for me, I'm not ready to give up on him. I think they have a piece in it. I don't think, I don't think there's a player that has all the tools like that and, and just never puts it together. Um, I mean, you can, you can name off a few, but I think with his speed, his shot, his ability uh, it's some of it comes so naturally to him to, to, to sit there and say, yeah, at 21, you know, he's had a couple of bad, bad breaks and, and that's it for us. I mean, this guy's done everything you've asked him to do. He's gone out and he's, 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 he's played a tougher game. Uh, you know, Haley Wickenheiser even said like, you know, he needs to reel it back a little bit because he's almost going too hard. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, th- this kid's done everything you've asked him to do. He's been a professional when you brought him up and sat and scratched him. Um, I, I think as an organization, you almost owe him another opportunity to get in the lineup and, and play consistent minutes and, and see what you have. I, I don't, I don't like the idea of trading away a piece when you don't know what you have in him. And for me, I don't think the Leafs know exactly what they have in Robertson um, unless you want to go down the road of injury prone, small, talented forward. And if you, if you go that route, I mean, I wouldn't blame you, but I think you have to give them an opportunity before you say, yeah, let's, let's cast them off and, and just give up on them. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an interesting discussion because it is tough. Um, you know, obviously with the trade deadline coming up, the Leafs have to evaluate what pieces they have organizationally and, and where they want to go and what direction they want to go and what's going to get them to that next round. And, and if, if Robertson is a piece, I mean, I guess you have to part ways with them. Um, but I'd like, like I said, I'd like to see him get an opportunity with the Leafs and see what he can do. But that said, as I mentioned, trade deadlines coming up a lot of rumors swirling. We talked about O'Reilly last week. Um, this week, more Horvat, McCabe, uh, Gavrikov, um, Luke Shen's been been discussed about a possible re, uh, reuniting with the Maple Leafs. Alex, if there's one guy out there right now in the market, it can be one of those four names or somebody else. But is there somebody that you'd like the Leafs to go hard after? That's a tough question for me to answer, man. Because there's a lot of guys I want the Leafs to go hard after. But you know what? More than anybody else, it's got to be Timo Meyer, man. Timo, like that guy checks off all the possible boxes of what the Leafs need in a forward right now. He's a top six guy. If you trade for him, you're getting basically the same production out of him offensively that you'd be getting out of Nylander. And then you throw in the fact that he's leading his team in hits. He's a physical body. He goes hard to the net. And people are kind of worried about that $10 million qualifying offer. I'm not at all. I'd pay, I'd pay Meyer $10 million in a heartbeat, especially if it was short term. Um, now, if he works, if he were to work out a long-term extension at a cheaper dollar value, then I think that'd be preferable, obviously. But Meyer's the guy, man. And, you know, I, I don't know how much San Jose is going to ask for for him. Uh, because on one hand, it's you're hearing reporters say, like, it's going to cost two first-rounders or whatever and a top prospect or something like that. On another hand, you've got people saying, like Frank Cervalli, when he was like, uh, he might go for less than Debrinket did. And if that's the case, the Leafs have to be all over him. No excuses. But overall, I just, yeah, I, I, he's perfect. He's, he, he is perfect for this team as it is right now. And if they have the assets to get it done, and if they could somehow do it without 
including Nyes or Frazier Minson in the deal, then I think that's even more preferable, but I don't know what the odds of that are. So I'm at the point right now where there's just so much flying around. There's the, there's the rumors of Jake McCabe. Um, I, I, it's the point of the season where I'm, it's, I'm beyond trying to figure out what Dubas's plan is because he doesn't let anything leak to the media or very seldom. So I'm just going to sit back and let him work his magic and see what happens. And hopefully he's not doing any work with uh, Chicago because otherwise it will be leaked to the media. But uh, Peter, what are your thoughts? Any guy that you want them realistically, like let's not, let's not say like obviously somebody that they can't go out and afford, but something realistically that you'd like to see the Leafs go out and do before the deadline happens. Uh, well, I guess we could cross Jake McCabe off because he's a Chicago Blackhawk, but um. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. it doesn't matter if if you actually go and make the trade. It doesn't matter because then it's going to happen. That's just, true. Yeah, it's only that, if it falls that, through. That is very true. Um, yeah, it, it's very tough. I mean, see, here's the thing. I I'm open to adding a top six forward. I'm still open to improving the defense. But the way that the defense has been playing as of late. Why would you mess any of that up? And the way that Sandino Lilligren, your two young defensemen, have stepped up into a top four role, I, I I think they've handled it pretty well against tough competition, against tougher opponents. I think you can't touch your defense unless you're getting a six seven like Luke Shen. Fine, I understand to fill out that depth, even if it if it is McCabe and the team's uh, retaining salary like the Blackhawks with two million, and you know you have a two million defender on your hand that could play both the left and right side, kind of similar to what you had with, or what you have with Victor Mete and Jordy Ben. You know, I, I think that is realistic, but at the same time, you know, I, 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 I would still lo- like similar to Alex, I would love Timo Meyer, but that seems more if Dubis is willing to pay the price, whether it's not Matthew Nyes, is he willing to give up for Minton? Is he willing to give up Topi Nimala? Cause you know how valuable right-handed shot defensemen are, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's very interesting. And, you know, obviously realistically, even if they don't sign Meyer to that $10 million qualifying offer, it's only a qualifying offer. It can't go any higher, but if it's still within that realm, like if it's an eight to $9 million contract, if Toronto's able to resign him, I say do it because the cap is going to go up, obviously not a whole lot. But then again, if you keep someone like Jake Muzzin on LTIR, there's more space to work with for a contract negotiation kind of thing. But at the same time, you're still going to be in that situation where you got to find quality at cheaper prices. So it's, it's still like a lot of factors playing in, but yeah, I think Myers at the top of my list, Forbes, you mentioned that they were scouting, uh, I believe it was Philadelphia and Arizona mm-hmm. at one point. And, you know, we all know the Maple Leafs are, are possibly one of the teams on Jacob Chikrim. You mentioned James Van Riemsdyk possibly, or I'm not sure if you mentioned Van Riemsdyk as a option, yeah, but I you did. did. There you go. The reunion with him somehow for the salaries retained. So I think it's very interesting to see what's going to happen because there are a lot of potentials. And if you want to go realistic, maybe Van Reems, like, because he may offer a little bit, maybe Philadelphia can retain some of that salary as well. And you may have to pay a little less of a price. And the fact that he still provides that net farm presence in tight with those goals, deflections, everything that's going to be huge come playoff time. Cause you need a body in front of the net. So um, interesting to say the least. No doubt about that. I, I I'm gonna go the Horvat route, and uh, I just I've always been a Horvat fan. Horvat um, and Shen, baby. 
That'd be the yeah, ideal. I mean, that'd be deal. the ideal package right there. Yeah, and and, and you uh, called the Giordano trade last year, so let's hope you call this one. Yeah, let's 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 hope. I won't keep my fingers crossed, but um, I, I just the way I see it is is I believe it was Drager said that he's he doesn't see them changing up the D too much. Uh, they like what they have uh, going into the playoffs, and and realistically, um, you know, Hall's played better minus Riley since coming back from injury. I mean, you've got. You've got a pretty solid six there. Um, so for me, I think you got to put you got to put the focus on up front. And and Horvat's not going back to Vancouver. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he'd love to, in the sense that he's the captain there, and he does you know he doesn't want to abandon ship. But at the same time, um, that ship's going down, and it's going down real fast. And if you can if you can pry a guy out like that. Uh, and get him signed and, and, and have a part of the organization. I mean, his leadership alone is, is important, especially with, you know, John Tavares isn't getting any younger. Um, you got Matthews, you got Marner to have another piece like that with the, with the voice inside the room. Uh, I think it's just, a, it's a solid piece. And, and yeah, he's having a career year goals wise this year. Um, so I, obviously you take that into consideration, but at the same time, I mean, he could be, uh, he could be a second, third line guy and still, still give you exactly what you need, put him on the power play and, and be a solid piece. Um, but again, he's a guy that you're going to have to, you're going to have to work out your cap situation because uh, he's not going to come cheap. And, and, and especially being a, you know, a hometown guy, I'm sure he'd love to come to Toronto as well, but um, yeah, I, I'd like to see Horvat in blue and white. I think that'd be, that'd be the ideal move for me come deadline. Um but yeah, aside from that, boys, uh, we're gonna we're gonna shut it down here. Uh, we've been going a little long here. The Leafs are getting getting uh, getting at it tonight against the New York Rangers. So we, I'm sure, all three of us are gonna be sitting down for that. Um, but outside of that, anything you guys got happening this week? Anything you want to let our listeners in on? I'm gonna dive in a little on that Jake McCabe thing. I'm not really gonna vouch for it or not. I'm more just gonna shed light on how the hell are the Leafs gonna fit him into the defensive core if they do that. Um, that's, that's all to really expect for me this week. Peter. Uh, I put this on far too long, but expect the Cali yarn croak piece coming out soon about how he's fit in since being elevated to that top six role. So obviously he may not be the permanent fix in the top six, but you know what? He deserved the opportunity. So I thought I'd spotlight him a bit. Well, boys, uh, another wonderful week and a big shout out to Jack Matier for coming on and joining us as well. And big shout out to Indie Alehouse and the Variety Sports Network uh, for, for uh, continuing to support us as we travel through the next 100 episodes here at Sticks in the Six. As always, you can follow Alex at A Hobson Media on Twitter. You can follow Peter at P. Barrichini. And you can follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes. You can also follow the show at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X. I-N-T-H-E-6-I-X-P-O-D. Hit us up on all of our socials. You can also find us on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and all your streaming services. Until next week, boys, that's it for us here at Sticks in the Six.